you have to be able to work with so many different kinds of people. You um, have to be incredibly emotionally intimate with your partners, with your crew, with your staff, and then it dies. You know, you learn the cycle of life over and over and over again. It lives, you create it, and it dies. You, you know, so they're learning in their DNA how to survive. <laughs> Welcome to episode 14 of Find Your Light, the podcast that helps women plus in theater take center stage in lives they love. Today, my conversation is with a longtime theater educator, and the only thing I want to say before I introduce who she is, is if there has been a teacher in your life, whether they were a school teacher in a formal classroom setting uh, a mentor in an informal learning setting or anything in between that has had an impact on you, please, please, please reach out and let them know. If it's been a while since you've contacted them or said thank you, there is nothing better for an educator than to hear that they've had a positive impact. So, that's your friendly reminder to do that. Now, today I'm talking to Robin Murphy. Robin Murphy is a lifelong theater educator, director, producer, and performer. She spent 30 years teaching high school theater. Most recently, she just finished a 16-year stint at her last school. Since we talked, we talked before the school year ended, and since we chatted, she has retired. So congratulations on that, Robin. She has also been published in the Educational Theater Association Association's professional journal. She has raised four kids and two of them are in the industry. She played Brutus in Julius Caesar in sixth grade. She's basically an incredible person. A couple of the things that we talk about in our conversation are worth sort of explaining a little bit. The first is the Educational Theater Association and Thespians. Educational Theater Association is a national organization in the United States with the mission of raising the impact and the visibility of educational theater across the country and across the world. And Thespians is the school-slash-student branch of that organization. It is an international honor society for students of theater. If you're an educator listening to this and you're not familiar with the EDTA or thespians, please do a Google search and please join. This work is incredible. I have been a lifelong member of the Thespian Society and I continue to volunteer with my state EDTA chapter to this day. We are uh, chatting in Robin's She's in her home and there is a bit of an echo in this conversation. So I apologize. I did my best to reduce the reverb, but you're going to hear a little bit of an echo at some points. Um, so I apologize for the audio quality in advance. Finally, I'm putting a content warning on this podcast. Um, we mentioned one time, very briefly, uh, shooters in the context of working in a school. And we also the word suicide comes up twice. Now we're not talking about specific instances or specific stories. There are no details, but those words do come up. So if that is going to be a trigger for you, please don't listen to this or reach out and, and let me know. And I can edit you a special version of this podcast <laughs> that kind of skips over those parts. 
Okay, that's what I've got uh, to talk about before you listen to our conversation. So without any further ado, here is my conversation with Robin Murphy. Awesome. All right, Robin, let's start. Um, talk about how you got started in theater and what that journey has looked like from that day, that moment to where you are today. So crazy. <laughs> um, well, the very first memory that I have of being engaged in theater was in fourth grade, in which I wrote and adapted the Aristocats for my fourth grade classroom. And my teacher let me like direct these kids. <laughs> and I remember so clearly having them down on their hands and knees and telling them what to do as the cats. So that was fourth grade. Um, and then in sixth grade, somehow we were doing Julius Caesar in sixth grade. <laughs> and now as an educator, I'm like, what were you thinking? That was awesome. <laughs> I got to play Brutus. Mm -hmm. And which was awesome because I'm a fairly short individual. And I remember very clearly stabbing the young man who was playing Julius Caesar. And I re remember kind of really liking it a lot, uh, <laughs> which now I look back at, oh, man, I was in sixth like, What does that say about you? So um, much power. And then by eighth grade, um, we were doing our careers unit in eighth grade, and I knew I wanted to be a director, so I went and uh, interviewed the head of the um, Kansas City Repertory Theater here in Kansas City, and she sat down with me, and I, I somewhere in all of my stuff is a packet, my director's packet of my career day in eighth grade. So this is like a life, lifelong, lifetime thing. Um, yeah, from pretty much day one. Yeah. That's and then awesome. I, yeah. And then I went to, um, I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts briefly um, and did not have the desire to pursue it professionally. I liked acting, I liked directing, but I liked theater as a whole. And in high school really decided to pursue education. Mm -hmm. And so um, I went to college for that. I got my master's in that. Um, you know, I've acted quite a bit. I've directed in the community um, and worked on some film, both on camera and on crew. You know, I've worked tech and management and staff, um, community theater around Kansas City. So um, I have kind of a broad interaction and experience with it and love so many different elements. Yeah. And, and now so, I'm retiring. I know. So you, how long have you been teaching? 30 years. 30 years. And you just recently decided to retire. Yes. Yes. Well, there's a funny story. Yes. Tell us. I broke my leg. Okay. Like my last great dramatic gesture was to drum roll, please break my leg. No. Right? How did you do that? Never mind. You don't have right? to tell us unless you want to. Oh, no. It's a good no, story. It's okay. a great story. I walked okay, out great. of my classroom, slipped on water in the hallway. No. And broke the heck <gasps> out of my leg. No. Oh, that's awful. Come on. I've been swinging from catwalks for 30 years <laughs> and up on ladders and hauling sets and dancing around orchestra pits. 
I was hoping for a much better story. <laughs> Stepping on water. I slipped. <laughs> I slipped. I I don't even know. The kids sabotaged me. I don't know what happened. Oh my but, gosh. So this year, um, which is my 16th year, it's a particular school. Um, I've been out most of it. We had just finished our musical. Thank all the gods. Mm-hmm. Um, just finished the musical. Um, my associate stepped in and took the kids to Thespian Conference and did our spring play for me. Um, and that was really the sign to go ahead and retire. And I'm having, of course, very mixed feelings about it. Mm-hmm. Being in the classroom um, is like being in a marriage. You know, being in um, that particular school for 16 full years, the kids that I'm teaching now were born the year I started at that school. Yeah. Which is so crazy. Um, but like I li- I've lived there, you know, it's, as you well know, it's not a, um, you know, 7.30 to 3.30 teaching job. It's, uh, a th- you know, I'm a three-season coach. Mm-hmm. Three-season coach um, is an analogy I try and use to get folks to understand what that time commitment is. But, um, you know, when you're working 60, 70 hour weeks for nine months out of the year, um, you know, you do live there. And um, it's like moving out of my house. It's moving out of a house. It's moving out of a relationship. And so that is both incredibly freeing and um, bittersweet. You know, there's lots and lots of memories there. Yeah, absolutely. So what is next? What is next? Well, (laughs) um, I'm going to take somewhat of a gap year, if you will. Um, I'm going to do some house sitting, which is great. It's something that I've done in the summers as a teacher anyway, um, because all of my children are up and out. They're all adults now. And um, so I've sat across the country for other teachers, actually, um, in house sitting gigs while they're having their um, vacations or summer vacations. And that is great. So I'm looking for some online work to do that um, for a few months. But then, then I went and got on Playbill. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's like, look at all I can do now. Um, I, you know, I was looking like, oh my God, I'm a perfect assistant company manager. Um, Cause that's the same skills I've been using for the pl- past 16 years. The, you know, very organizational stuff and the, well, the parenting, if you will, mm-hmm, <laughs> you know, absolutely. that marriage, it's like, oh my gosh, I looked at Ashland, Oregon Shakespeare Festival has an assistant wardrobe position opening. Mm-hmm. I could go live in Ashland and do, um, you know, do wardrobe for a summer. Mm-hmm. I can do that now. Um, I mean, I can't really do that now because the leg isn't ready. The leg, yeah. <laughs> the leg's not ready, not this summer. But what that did was open up for me the opportunity that, oh my God, I'm in a position to actually do some theater now. I can do some theater. And I can, you know, I can be mobile about that. And the thought of like, you know, being with a touring company or being with seasonal regional theater, you know, I love crew. I love working tech. Um, it's really in the back of my mind to pursue that when the leg is ready to drive cross country. <laughs> yeah, that's super exciting. I know. It's like, I can do that now. And um, what I'm hoping is that being mobile is an advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, being um, flexible is an advantage. And ideally my experience will be an advantage. 
You know, I can stitch, I can paint, I can manage. There's so much that, you know, a high school theater teacher does as, as we're looking to interview for my job, my mm -hmm. principal asks me, what do I need to know? What do I need to be asking? And it's, and it's like <laughs> helping somebody find the next spouse for your ex. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh my gosh. Okay. Yes. I, I am really invested in my legacy in this department, um, in this history. And, and it's the fine balance of really wanting to help and then willing, you know, wanting to keep hands off a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, I said to him, I said, it's several jobs. It's not just one. It's certainly the classroom and being diligent about the educational aspects of that. It's production. And, you know, what is the audition process like? What's the rehearsal process like? You know, are you familiar with how to produce the show on top of the directing the show? You know, and then there's the, the business management aspect. Um, do you know how to budget um, you know, I've got a three pronged budget, you know, one for my classroom, one for my production, one for my thespians, you know, does the applicant know how to do all that? What about technical theater? Can you teach these kids how to build a set? Can you teach them how to paint a set? Can you teach them, you know, about costuming and makeup and props? Um, do you know how to run a shop? You know, cause I, you know, we have a, I'm very blessed in my facility. Um, you know, can you run a tech class? Do you know what to order? Do you know how to order? Do you know where to order? Do you have uh, relationships with the people in our city that will provide for you? Um, and then the facility itself. Do you know what to order for the facility? Do you know how to do rigging? Um, can you teach the rigging? Can you keep these kids safe? So, you know, and that's, and then technology. You know, we're, we're going to be getting a new sound and lighting system, which is far above really, you know, my knowledge at this level, I would have a huge learning curve. Hopefully, a, you know, a younger teacher might get in there and have had more of that technology in their college curriculum. But whoever is going to have to have this huge learning curve on the, you know, new lighting system and a new sound system. Are they somebody who can do that? And he just looked at me like, <laughs> I like had no eyes, idea. I can see like his eyes just <laughs> popping out of his head, right? Um, ask me why. Sometimes yeah. I appear to be grumpy. There's also, I think, something that people forget just in my own experience with like taking over, not taking over, but like being hired into a, a fairly thriving theater program, the leadership aspect of mm -hmm. can you get these kids who were loyal to the old teacher, can you get them on your side? Can you like get them moving together? Can mm -hmm. you like, are you able to lead and move people in a way that is productive and effective? Well, there's always the horror stories that you hear about that kind of transition. I was one of them. Oh. <laughs> I was, I was a different, I, I was my own, we can talk about that later, but yeah, I was, I was a horror story from the other side of things. And then I like then I left and the horror story also came after me. So it was like a pre, I was a pre and a post horror story oh, in my oh. last program. So it's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, actually that was another category. I said, you know, we have this whole thespian society, mm -hmm. you know, are you willing to do conference and meetings and our thespian executive board and lead those meetings and our parent booster club and our events and our initiation induction process, um, our, um, our senior scholarship process, that's a whole nother thing too. Um, 
you know, that this teacher has to take on. And one of the considerations I had to be perfectly honest about leaving this particular year is the kids that I'm leaving them with are particularly kind Mm. kids, particularly um, loving and open. And, you know, while there were, there were tears and emotions and feelings when I announced that I'd be leaving there, I saw them take the mantle of leadership on. You know, it's like, okay, well, we've got to clean and organize this department. So that's what we're doing right now, you know, in my, my tech class and my repertory theater class is one of the things we're doing is like 17 years, 16 years of stuff mm-hmm. in, in here. And like, I knew where everything was, but, you know, a new person is not going to. So we are now in this whole organization process and to watch these kids go ahead and take that leadership and take that ownership. Um, this transition is going to go well for them. Um, whoever steps in is very lucky with these, this particular class. There are other classes. Had this been another time or another year? Oh God. Yeah. That's <laughs> it what would I, not, I walked into that. It would not have been good. Um, and you know, they'll have stumbles because you know, um, it's such a environment where the, Climate that the teacher sets is so crucial. And my climate has been very personal growth oriented. And and I was honest with the kids. I said, there's two types of theater teachers. There's a theater teacher who is um, production first and student second. Um, And there's the theater teacher who's student first at the expense sometimes of the production. Um, and they both have, you know, everybody has skills, strengths, weaknesses, um, you know, different techniques are valid, different personality types are valid, and that they're just going to have the blessing and opportunity to work with more than one single person. Mm-hmm. So we've, we've had that very honest conversation and there'll still be bumps. There'll be things they like about them better. There'll be things they like about me better. So of course, of course. Yeah. Well, it's wonderful that you are taking the time and the energy to set them up for this transition. Thank you. um, Which is not something that everyone has the opportunity to do. Right. Or that they don't like have the wherewithal to do that and help their kids. So thank you for doing that. Thank you. On behalf of the next person, (laughs) thank you for doing that. (laughs) Um, Tell us a vivid memory that you have of the theater. Well... Um, the best memory that I have of the theater is sitting in the Palace Theater watching my eldest child debut uh, on Broadway in the 2009 revival of West Side Story. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. You spend a life in the theater and then you get to see your own kid on Broadway in like freaking West Side Story. I mean... Arthur hired her. <laughs> she worked with Stephen. She worked with Lynn Manuel. Um, you know, we met them at the party. <laughs> and you know, these were people I taught my students about. Uh-huh. I mean, not Lynn yet, but um, <laughs> certainly Arthur and certainly Stephen. Um, and then your kid is doing it. And the, the surrealness, I mean, like any parent would be proud, right? Any parent would be over the mood proud. But when you 
have a life in the theater and you've raised your kid in the theater and they succeed on Broadway, who gets that? I mean, the blessing of that is unbelievable. That's <laughs> so amazing. that is my best so, so what was that like? Like, okay, uh, let's start with sitting in, in the theater before the show. What was oh it my like? God, it was a mess. <laughs> I was a mess. Well, um, you know, it was opening night and, um, uh, you know, she had friends with her and there, you know, I've gotten to know her friends and um, we were all sitting around there just in joyous tears at, you know, having walked past the red carpet and seen people on the red carpet and knowing that we were going to be going to the party with these legends and figures out of myth, <laughs> out of theater <laughs> myth. Um, and, and to have heard about her process, you know, the, how difficult it was and, and how beautiful it was and how challenging it was and how even something as amazing as this opportunity, how every day it was sometimes, you know, that was your job. Um, and how um, just to be able to have that vicarious experience <laughs> through her was just astounding. But then watching that, I remember the curtain call. And of course, opening night curtain call is always a big deal. And they're sobbing. You know, the cast is just the relief. And then the joy of having that audience stand for standing ovation and being able to participate in that wave of emotion between the audience. You know, that's why we do live theater, between the audience and the cast and just everybody's in tears. Um, you know, because this is this classic and, you know, and yet it's new because Lynn had, um, you know, put the Spanish in it. And it, it was just, there was, I mean, like, who gets that? <laughs> so, yeah, that's a pretty, pretty big highlight. That's huge. My life. I want to know what you did the first moment that you saw her on stage. Well, she was a jet. Uh, and then, then I had the, she covered um, Anybody's. And mm. I actually got to see her play Anybody's as well. <gasps> That's great. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Um, yeah. And I think it's like, it was like a religious experience, you know, because the theater is so much about spirit and soul and heart and, and life and the beauty and tragedy of humanity. And here's the show, this classic show that talks about that very thing. And then to watch your kid who's always danced like she's praying, um, like sail across this stage with, with passion and connection and commitment and dedication, and you just think, damn, just that, that overwhelming moment of knowing just how amazing your life is. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that, that you are getting that I, that I was getting something that was so rare, you know, mm -hmm. so rare. Um, and that then I could take all this back to my classroom, you know, I mean, the things that my daughter, Caitlin went through, um, I got to share with my kids, like audition, you know, what is it really like in that room? Not what I, you know, Robin in Kansas City was taught or knew 
in a very um, limited way. But what's really happening right now this minute on Broadway, what's really happening right now this minute in the audition room, um, that was really, uh, you know, an awesome thing to be able to take that um, back to my kids Mm -hmm. and share that with them. And now I've got several of them working professionally. And um, a lot of it, I think it was because they were inspired by her, you know, and without um, giving them false hope, being very clear about how desperately hard it was. I mean, I told them the hard stories when she'd get cast in something and then have that contract uh, withdrawn because of one thing or the other, you know, I mean, just even the bad, hard things I shared with them. So there was never the kids who wanted to do it were both prepared resilient wise, you know, with resiliency and um, the thought that they could do it, but that um, it wasn't guaranteed, Mm. you know? So I think it was, they, they went out to the professional world with a realistic and optimistic situation. And um, I feel blessed that I was able to um, share that with them as well. I think a lot about access mm-hmm. um, and exposure and just how there's so many different ways to be talented in the world, but a person yeah. who um, is really good at music and manipulating their fingers, if they're right. in a house with a piano, they might play piano, but if they mm-hmm. live in a house with something else, they might play something else. Um, and just like having the exposure and your kid, your students being able to see that like, oh, right. shit, like someone that I know right. did, was able to do this, that like that exposure and that level of, um, of just making it feel accessible and making it yeah. possible is that's priceless. That's amazing. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's such a good memory. Isn't that great? (laughs) I love it. (laughs) It's an unusual Um, one. It's a really good one. Like how many people get to experience that? Not very many. Not very many. (laughs) That's awesome. Robin, what's the most important lesson that you have learned in the theater? And I know this is a big one because as an educator, you're probably thinking about this all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, my philosophy of teaching theater is really that I'm teaching personal development and growth through the art of theater. And that is my favorite thing about it. That if, if that is my purpose, if you will. <laughs> and um, so the biggest lesson, I think that I have learned and that I try and teach my kids is that that theater is such an excellent vehicle for self-growth and knowledge. Because, you know, and when, when I get on my soapbox with them, you know, you know, I go straight to Shakespeare and it's like, we are holding the mirror up to nature. We are um, reflecting life. Um, and it's our job to um, inhabit all the aspects of life, but we can't do that if we are not also um, embracing our own lives. And that, especially in this climate, my job is really giving them the tools of mental health. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, if I, again, if I was going to soundbite this to what is the biggest lesson I've learned in theater, is how to be a more expanded, centered person. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't, you know, uh, people on the outside <laughs> wouldn't think because, you know, theater people have the reputation of being flighty or mm-hmm. flaky or overly dramatic or all of that. And all of that can and is true. But I'm using more and more techniques within the classroom to bring these kids back to themselves, you know, to bring these kids back into their own bodies, into their own brains, off the phones, um, you know, and introducing things to them like, you know, the four aspects of, you know, the physical aspect, the mental aspect, the spiritual aspect, and the energetic aspect. You know, these are all tools we use in acting, but these are tools that they use in everyday life. And, um, and I, just in the last five years, these have become mental health um, tools. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we do meditation in the classroom. I may call it something else, mm-hmm. you know, because I do live in the <laughs> middle of Kansas. Um, but it has changed their lives. You know, I'm seeing kids who have been on ADHD medication lay on that floor and be at peace and quiet their energy systems. Their, that whole like nerve matrix is at peace and rest for a moment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the resiliency right now with, with the, you know, when I started 30 years ago, we weren't talking about shooters and suicides. Mm-hmm. We weren't, and now we are. Um, and the resiliency that you learn in theater my God, it's like one of the number one lessons that you have to separate your self-esteem and self-worth from your audition, from your role. Um, You have to be able to work with so many different kinds of people. You um, have to be incredibly emotionally intimate with your partners, with your crew, with your staff, and then it dies. You know, you learn the cycle of life over and over and over again. It lives, you create it, and it dies. you know, so they're learning in their DNA how to survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I'm having kind of flashbacks to um, all of the cast parties where mm-hmm. we would cry, right? And we'd be like, <gasps> right. we're never going to do this again. And it's going to be our last time on stage together, you guys. And it was like everything was life or death because it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially when you're that age, but um, but I never really thought of the resiliency aspect of that. That like that's what we were learning is we were learning to grieve, really. We yeah, were, mm-hmm. we were learning to move on. We were learning to rise up again and come yeah. again, right? Yeah, to love the memory and yeah. um, and move on to the next thing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and that they can, and that failure is an absolute legitimate part of the process. Mm-hmm. Um, that they're going to get something wrong, that they are not entitled to every role they want. Um, I mean, there's some major life lessons, the collaboration and the problem solving. And, you know, one of the, the biggest tools I have is I, I can't tell you how many times I ask a question 
you know, in five minutes, you know, <clears throat> I've got 36 kids coming at me and they each have three questions, right? Mm-hmm. And that used to really stress me out until I finally just stopped and started asking them a question back. Mm-hmm. And that question was, how are you going to solve that? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we, we have a joke in the department about the sock because <laughs> Several years ago, and this is like probably a decade ago now, it's kind of a legend. Um, it was tech week, and, um, and, I'm, and I have a whole department by myself. You know, I don't have another adult in there um, full time. And I'm, you know, I've got 100, 125 kids on a daily basis that I'm managing by myself. No athletic team would ever do that. <laughs> um, you'd have three assistant coaches, <laughs> Absolutely. but that <laughs> the funding aside, for them. Oh, and the funding, um, <laughs> that aside, um, a kid comes to me and asks me where his socks were. <laughs> oh, I love high school so much. Yeah. Right. And it's like, that was a time I lost it. I lost it. Um, fairly epically. And, um, but then I used it as a teaching, uh, tool (laughs) and said, okay, now think about this. In what way did you think I had your socks? Did you think I had your socks? Well, no. Okay. Did you think I knew where your socks were? Well, probably not. No. Who was the last person who had the socks? Uh, it was me. Okay. Okay. Then why, how can you solve this problem? Well, I could look or get some other socks or I could borrow some. It's like, yes. Yes. So that became literally the metaphor in our department. And, but these kids, that's it. They, you know, and uh, blah, blah, blah. I could theory you about education right now and culture and Mm -hmm. the current kids but um they're really afraid to think mm-hmm. they're afraid they're afraid of making a mistake um they don't critical think well they don't problem solve well and what we're doing is giving them practice mm-hmm. fairly safe practice in problem solving i mean it didn't even occur to him i mean he immediately had to come to mom right yeah because you know my mom yeah yeah Immediately come to mom, mom, where's my sock? It's like, no, where is your sock? So the last five years in particular, my focus has really changed to helping them develop those skills. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. One of the a really nice shifts happened in my teaching when I started responding a lot instead of, I mean, even like not the sock level of thing, but like, you know, (laughs) bigger, like problem solving things. Like, how are we going to do, how are we going to do Humpty Dumpty and Alice in Wonderland? Right. 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 It's like a five minute scene. You don't want to build a giant thing because it's like, you know, it has to come on and off. And so how are we going to do it? And you know, the, I put a team in charge of it and they came and they were like, Miss Colson, my name was, my name was Miss Colson at the time. Um, you know, Miss C, what, how are we going to do Humpty Dumpty? And I was like, I don't know. Like what? <laughs> what are yeah. you supposed to tell us? I was trying to put you in charge of it. I don't know. <laughs> what are your ideas? How are you going to do it? <laughs> um, and that they, they always like their eyes would get big. But what would happen is they'd go, 
oh, okay. And they'd always like just run off and like become little minions and like do things and like yeah. create magic, but they just needed to know that it was okay not to know. Well, that's, um, a, yeah, that's entirely right. And that you gave them permission mm-hmm. to be creative and to experiment. Yeah. I think it's important for adults to model that also because we also, we spent a lot of time like pretending like we have all the answers and pretending Mm -hmm. like we have the right answers um, and not admitting that we don't know, especially when we're working with young people. Right. But it's really important to do that and to show them it's okay to like Mm -hmm. be the expert in the room and also to not have the answers. Absolutely. That's one of my favorite parts. Yeah. Is when they come up with the idea and it's like, yeah. oh my gosh, thank you for solving this problem. They always have better ideas than me anyway. Like I have, I have so many good ideas and they have like a room full of them. So I used to pull my good ideas about, you know, four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, if nothing else, I'm one person and I'm one person with a lot of experience. Exactly. But they are like, you know, my shows, I, my classes had 50, my shows mm-hmm. had usually at least 75 kids involved in some way. Mm-hmm. Right. They have 75 more times like t- 75 times more yeah. ideas than I yeah. ever could have. So exactly. Let it go. Let it go. They're amazing and they're brilliant. We just have to like, let them know that they are, you know? Oh, it's so true. Um, I, I have been stunned, you know, I, again, I think, you know, to expand on what's your favorite memory, um, mm-hmm. you know, sitting, sitting in that, um, that auditorium and watching them become more, than they ever thought they could be. I'll tell you one of my other favorite stories. And mm-hmm. this, if I had to, oh my God, I might get emotional. Um, if I had to crystallize my experience teaching, I think this is it. And yeah, or darn close. Um, we were doing Legally Blonde. And I had an amazing Elle Wood, who's now working professionally. And it's uh, just astounding, astounding girl. Um, and we're at the <clears throat> top of the show, maybe halfway through scene one. And, you know, it's that whole big number going from, you know, it just goes from one scene to the other scene to the other scene. Like the first half an hour, she is on stage um, and her mic goes out completely. Mm. Okay. She's got two songs and tons of dialogue. And she never comes off stage. Mm-hmm. So we can't change her mic. We can't, we can't fix this. None of the adults can fix this without conversation because nobody had time for conversation. The rest of the kids, her three girlfriends in particular at the top of the show, everybody just reblocked themselves intuitively mm-hmm. so that their mics were picking her up. They mm-hmm. all just leaned in, you know, and of course she's like belting blood at this point, you know, she is giving other performance of a lifetime, but the, her entire cast just uh, energetically and practically had her back. Yeah. And that is the, kernel of why I teach and what I teach. Yeah. I love that. I know. Isn't it a great story? Let's put that on a plaque somewhere, that whole story. I know. (laughs) I know. And those kids remember that moment Mm -hmm. and they remember this is what it feels like to do the right thing. Like the trust they had in themselves Mm -hmm. as people. Yeah. Great. As performers. Yeah. Great. Fantastic. 
you know, five of them are performing, you know, in college or past that. But that experience of terror and then, <laughs> and then confidence, you know, that's real life. That's going to happen to them over and over and over again, that shock of something going wrong. And then the confidence that I can take care of this. We can take care of this. We can take care of this together. Yeah. That's a life lesson. Beautiful. And I'll be happy to give that speech <laughs> any, anywhere. <laughs> we'll just make sure this podcast makes its way into like every home in America. <laughs> That's right. All the Thespian conferences. I'll come. All I'll of come them. Tell it. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> so Robin, what's a challenge that you're facing right now? Well, on a personal theatrical level, much like being a parent as your kids have left the house, now that this transition is happening, I think back, what could I have done better? Um, How could I have done better shows? How could I have reached more kids? How could I have um, been more effective in the classroom? I mean, there's that, those kind of melancholy, reflective, retrospective thoughts. And so that's, that's challenging. But equally as challenging is looking at the, the victories or the triumphs or the, those wonderful moments and going, my gosh, you know, standing on that stage, the things that have happened in 16 years on this stage when we were doing five shows a year, the number of kids, the emotions, the experiences, just trying to wrap my head around that impact and, and accepting that and owning that, yes, I could have done some things better and I did make an impact and it's okay. It's really okay to own that I served my purpose, to own that I did make a difference. Um, and that's challenging, you know, to balance both of those and then to figure out, you know, I've got a whole act two myself. <laughs> what am I going to do with it? You know, and can it be spent in the theater? And, um, do I still love it that way? You know, I, I'm going to have to go and find out. Yeah. It's a discovery. I know. It's exciting. And that's a challenge. It's an awesome challenge, but um, it's not safe. Mm. But, you know, <laughs> who does that? Nobody does yeah. theater to be safe. <laughs> no. And wh- I mean, what else are you going to do? You go be an accountant? <laughs> no. <laughs> There's nothing no. wrong with accountants, you guys. No. My mom's an accountant, but right, like, right, right. You know, it's but different. That's not my strength. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here's my favorite question. I love all of these questions, but this one in particular, what is one thing that you do in your theatrical work that if we did that in our lives, it would make our lives better? I think the um, personal development exercises that I was speaking about earlier, um, learning about um, energy management, learning about um, being in our bodies, learning about how to calm our nervous systems. Uh, if we were able to take some of these 
theater quote unquote exercises and integrate them into daily practice. Um, both our personal experience of the world would be enriched and our interactions and connections would be a lot less volatile, I mm. think, and a lot um, more um, engaging and connected. Do you have a favorite practice or exercise that you would like to share? Um, I, with my kids, we do something called um, open your feet um, and circle in circumference, um, <clears throat> which I learned from a, a wonderful teacher. Um, it's, you know, grounding exercises, basically. You know, we all, um, you know, have had, you know, a variety of techniques. My gosh, there's so many um, historical teachers about embodied work and, um, and there's so much um, work right now happening around, around that. Gosh, so many wonderful techniques and strategies. But for the kids, um, you know, I've got them doing breathing, you know. Okay, everybody stand, your feet apart, phones are not in your hands, mm -hmm. take three deep breaths in and out, you know, do fourfold breathing, you know, where they do, you know, four up and they hold four and then four release and hold four. And you watch these kids who are then on the ceiling and stressed as anything, just calm. You see this energy system, just calm, you know, so we do the, the breathing work and they've got their eyes closed. What I tell them is this particular generation has spent their lifetime stimulated, right? Mm -hmm. Music constantly, screens constantly. They are stimulated all the time. They don't know how to not, how to um, disconnect from stimulation. And so just a few small minutes of disconnection from stimulation they don't know how to do inner work because they're never asked or required to go inside. They don't, you know, they're stressed and they're, you know, have suicidal ideation because they never spend any time inside, you know, um, it, everything is out exterior. And so we really spend time on the inside. And when we do the amazing experiences that they have, the, um, insights that they have, the peace that they find. When we talk about opening your feet, you know, take those energy centers at the bottom of your feet and open them up. Theater's all about energy and how it connects to other humans in the world and yourself. Open that up and let that just sink, you know, to the ground and you just see them calm. And then they can learn their lines better or, you know, be, you know, let alone their mental health is way better but they can learn their lines better because their mind is more peaceful. They can connect with their scene partner. They can do their design work. Suddenly the ideas are coming. They're not mm -hmm. stuck. You know, they can be creative. So working the, those, um, you know, the, the, you know, inner quiet so that they, you know, can know themselves better, let creativity flow better, and have um, less fear of connecting as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, and then center and circumference is, you know, pull all your energy inside and then breathe out, 
you know, and find your, your edges, you know, like we, you know, the old mirror exercise, right? Mm -hmm. Remember, you know, the hand mirror exercise, the energy and the hands, you know, we just take that a little bit further so that, um, you know, when they're doing a scene, you know, they're, they're um, engaging in each other's, uh, you know, energy bubbles, right? Mm -hmm. They're, they're having to cross those boundaries. And especially since we're having such a conversation in theater now about personal boundaries, um, you have to be aware of yours and you have to be aware of what is um, comfortable, what is not comfortable. And why is it uncomfortable if it's uncomfortable? Is it uncomfortable just because you're not used to it or is this a violation? You know, you know, when you're in theater, you have to make those determinations because mm-hmm. you're going to get, you know, there may be a scene where you do get touched, you know, where is your boundary between your personal life and your professional life? I mean, these are big, big conversations that are being had and with these kids, they're, you know, just introducing them to these basic concepts, I think are critical, absolutely mm-hmm. critical. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Okay. So I have rewritten the way that I ask this question, Okay, but I want to ask it both ways for you okay. because I think that you will have thoughts about this. Um, and I rewrote it based on feedback that I got from a guest uh, that I was interviewing two days ago. Okay. The original question is, should theater be required life curriculum? Mm -hmm. And then the rewrite is, should everyone have, should there be universal access to a theater experience, a theater curriculum in life? Well, yes, my answer is going to be yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I tell you, you know, I live in a very... um, affluent, privileged part of town. And um, I see every day that theater saves these kids' lives. Um, It not just improves it, it literally actually saves it. And I know that in places where theater enters a less privileged environment, that ratio is even higher. Um, we, in my classroom, we use, um, a DVD called Shakespeare in our communities. Um, and it talks about, uh, Shakespeare in, um, uh, some of the, you know, challenged areas in Southern California and how those, um, programs keep kids from joining gangs and, um, yes. Because, you know, and we're not talking about learning Shakespeare lines and we're not talking about, you know, doing a play. It's what they're learning as they're solving that problem. You know, doing a play is solving a problem. It's one big problem and we've got a thousand things, a thousand things we have to solve. Um, As kids are rethinking college right now, um, I've got a lot of kids finding their future in tech theater. Um, And, you know, the simple skills of, of, you know, learning how to sew on a button or learning how, what a hammer is and how to use it. I mean, you know, and, and, and how to read, you know, and how to, how to analyze something, how to ask a question and how to, 
you know, solve a conflict with a colleague, you know, all of these things that we do on a day in and day out basis in theater, whether it's academic or professional, are all skills that everybody needs more um, familiarity with. Um, so yes, yes, mm -hmm. let theater be a tool to teach people how to be better people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, theater's a tool. I mean, and my God, what we can learn from that. Um, you know, that was always the point. You know, the sitting in the audience and having that catharsis, that was always the point of theater, was to elevate the human experience. Mm. And reflect it. And yes, yes, everybody should have that opportunity. It's not some rarefied culture, art form thing. <laughs> it is literally um, exposing kids to life and emotion and all of that. Um, take a moment okay. to plant a seed. Okay. In the hearts, minds, spirits, or all three of the the women who are listening today. Okay, well, now that's that's an intense question. I know. <laughs> Somebody's it's my second favorite. <laughs> taught for thirty years. Um, I think that the seed that I would like to leave or plant is that theater. Is about engagement in life. And life is only worth it if you're actually being engaged with it. Hmm. I'm writing that down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> you're so welcome. That was our last question. Um, if someone wants to reach out, connect with you, um, maybe hire you or I'm available opportunity <laughs> anytime <laughs> after May. <laughs> yeah. Right. What is What's your favorite way for people to get in touch with you? Um, well, I have, um, an Instagram and an email. Well, the Instagram is, um, at Robin, R-O-B-I-N, Romes, R-O-A-M-S because I'm quite a traveler and can intend to continue to be, um, as I've said. Um, so Robin Romes, I'm on Instagram. And then the um, email attached to that is Robin and Roaming, R-O-B-I-N-A-N-D-R-O-A-M-I-N-G at gmail.com. Awesome. And I speak and I teach and I write and I can act and I do lots of tech. <laughs> and I manage. That's awesome. You know, well, yeah, you you can you can be a theater teacher and not just and not do a little bit of everything. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I completely understand. Well, hopefully this helps connect you some to some interesting awesome. opportunities and openings that are out there. Um, thank you so much for for, for everything you've done for oh, your students over you. the last thirty thank years, so um, but also for sharing your time and energy with me and with everyone who's listening to the podcast today. Absolutely. Well, it's just been a pleasure. I love what you're doing and what a clever, clever way of approaching personal growth through theater. Yeah, right? That's what I <laughs> think. Yay, yay Emily. So, yay. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, again, you know, I think we're totally in sync and we're saying the same thing is mm -hmm. it is a vehicle. The mm -hmm. theatrical construct and context is a vehicle for personal growth. 
Well, that is all for today. Remember to subscribe to this podcast, leave us a rating, and tell your friends to subscribe too. If you want to chat about what you've heard or learn about upcoming episodes before they drop, you can find, find, you can follow, you can find, you can find us and follow us. I'll go with that uh, on Twitter and Instagram at FYL podcast or on Facebook at find your light podcast. Remember, you can email the Find Your Light team, which today is just me because my cat is being a lazy ass in another room somewhere. But you can email us and I will give her the message, I suppose, at podcast at emilystamets.com. You can find me, Emily Stamets, at the Emily Stamets on your favorite social media platform. Until next time, stand confidently center stage and enjoy your show.